0: Welcome to our podcast. My name is Keely Sieverson and I'm here with co-hosts Eric Johnson and Alicia Swami. Today, we are here with Dr. Levy. Dr. Levy, you have you have a pretty interesting background. You're both an attorney and a medical doctor, trying to be a part of all the grooms you, groups you hold into the least esteem, you said.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I got to feel the time somehow, right? <laughs>
0: So it, it looks like you entered the Hall of Fame through, of orthomolecular medicine, and you have a book called Curing the Incurable, where you chat about the utilization of vitamin C for infectious diseases, chronic illness, and toxins. Can you talk a little bit more about how you stumbled into using vitamin C for chronic illnesses?
1: Well, that started about 25 years ago. I was a regular cardiologist in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I met Dr. Hal Huggins, who, if you've never heard the name, is probably the first real biological integrative dentist of our day. And he had a clinic there where literally people came in from around the world getting a two-week treatment period that involves nutrition, supplementation, counseling, and most importantly, What we call the total dental revision, where all the infected teeth came out and the root canals and treating the gums and addressing the tonsils and the sinuses, all sites of infection. And the mercury was taken out as well. So all of that as one big package was done. And he invited me one day after I got to know him to come out and see what was going on at the clinic. So I said, Oh, okay, fine. And in that visit, I saw an elderly lady, wheelchair bound, get out of her wheelchair to get into the dental chair and then get. Three hours of the most arduous dental treatments I've ever seen in my life, extractions, this out of the other. But she started getting perkier and perkier as everything went on. And When the dental work was finished, she was so energized, she was asking her caregiver to uh, take her out to some great place to eat that night. I mean, the work she got would put most college kids to bed for a week, like when they get their wisdom teeth taken out, and she was energized. And so I said, Hal, what's going on here? uh, This doesn't compute and he pointed to the IV. She was getting an IV. I said, okay, that's fine. I've seen lots of IVs. What's special about this one? He said, well, it's got 50 grams of vitamin C in it. Well, that completely came out of left field, really had no idea what he was talking about, but I wasn't in the habit of betraying what my eyes have witnessed. And I saw something happen that wasn't supposed to happen. And it was at that point in time, that instant that I decided I needed to Really, I didn't know it would become my life's work, but I knew I needed to research out vitamin C for myself and see what was going on. and And I eventually, not too much later, became a consultant to Dr. Huggins's clinic and completely ditched my cardiology practice. And about a year later, because Dr. Huggins was uh, reimbursing me well, and I witnessed how he was getting sued right and left by malicious people such that he had a lawyer on retainer, And I said, well, I've got the time, I've got the inclination, I think I'll get a law degree as well. And then about four or five years later, uh, my first book came out uh, with Dr. Huggins uh, on uh, uninformed consent, people getting stuff done in their mouths, and then later on, optimal nutrition for optimal health. And then around 2002, I wrote Curing the Incurable, and it's been a continued evolution since then.
0: Well, that's quite a story. So do you you currently have a medical practice in which you use... IV vitamin C for chronic
1: conditions? No, I don't have a clinical practice. I stopped my own personal clinical practice uh, when I first started up with Dr. Huggins in 1994, stopping my cardiology practice. I've worked consultively with a few other clinics, okay, but I've not primarily run them or taken on new patients, clinical patients, but instead work with the people there give them my input. And that's pretty much continued with the evolution. You got to remember the transition of the computer. Uh, about that time then, email started becoming more prominent. And as my books were starting to be read by more people around the world, most of my time these days and for a long time has been fielding new emails and, if you will, practicing arm's length medicine. In other words, listening to what the docs had to say about this patient or that patient. Say, what do you think I should do? And I'd give them some input, and i say, the only charge is you got to give me some feedback and let me know how things turn out. And so I built a clinical database, but it hasn't involved me necessarily interacting directly with the patient. Have you uh, treated anybody with chronic fatigue syndrome? Well, I've certainly had, like I said, many people talk to me about individuals with chronic fatigue, and... Interestingly enough, the approach is pretty much similar to chronic fatigue as it is to all other chronic diseases, since all diseases are based on excess oxidation. It's referred in the literature as oxidative stress, but more simply, it's too many biomolecules, RNA, DNA, proteins, sugars, fats, enzymes, you name it, by toxins which are prooxidant in nature coming in and oxidizing them, which makes them, electron deficient and takes away their function. So you take away a functioning biomolecule and make it dysfunctional or afunctional by oxidizing it. And that distribution of biomolecules determines the disease. I go into this explanation because chronic fatigue, like all the other diseases, some more than others, respond to stopping the new toxins that come in. Toxins only are toxic because of their ability to oxidize. And maximizing the intake of new antioxidants, not just vitamin C, but the whole ball of wax, which are then able to reduce or bring those oxidized biomolecules back to a normal state of chemical configuration so that they function again. And what this means more specifically is anybody's disease, let's say uh, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, it's not a disease of the muscle, it's a disease of a unique array of biomolecules in that tissue being oxidized. There's no additional ill-defined disease process in those cells other than their array of biomolecules. So I had to go through that whole explanation to say then that the way you treat, the way you address fibromyalgia, uh, excuse me, uh, chronic chronic fatigue, is by doing a total dental revision. The major source of toxins or new oxidation in the body Almost across the board is infected gums, root canals, infected teeth, infected tonsils, infected sinuses, uh, and a chronic pathogen colonization in the nose and throat secondary to that. All of that needs to be addressed. And when you're able to address that and then optimize supplementation, you can get dramatic results. Also, this might have been more of an answer than you're asking for. I'm not sure, is the pathophysiology of all diseases involves Increased oxidation inside the affected cells, which is always characterized by increased calcium, decreased magnesium, and inadequate vitamin C. The moment you adjust the calcium and the magnesium, and you optimize vitamin C concentrations inside the cell, you have a normal cell. Doesn't matter what the disease process is. Doesn't matter what the previous infection was. You've normalized the cell, and obviously, if you could do that several billion times, you uh, you resolve the disease. Uh, but the point is, is that the goal is always increased vitamin C inside the cell. I do I say that because very recently, I've after doing a little research on my own and going through a certain personal experience post COVID, it turns out that hydrocortisone, uh, which is of course uh, a primary hormone in your body, exerts its primary function by pushing vitamin C inside the cell. Okay. And that's why when you get a stress reaction and you release the hydrocortisone inside your adrenal gland, it's there to push more vitamin C in the cell, which responds then and clarifies any sort of oxidative insult. And it turns out that very many people, and I would say this is my opinion, that probably well over 90% of older chronic fatigue patients have this. They have chronic adrenal insufficiency. The thing is, is unlike estrogen, unlike testosterone, unlike thyroid hormone, it's just not clear cut because your cortisol varies from one day from one moment to the next, how well your adrenal gland responds to stress depending on the ACTH coming from your brain. And so most doctors don't mess with it, quite honestly, because it's too confusing. But the point is, is if you treat it empirically and Uh, In the case of the chronic fatigue patient, start them on 5 or 10 milligrams of hydrocortisone taken simultaneously with a large dose of vitamin C, several grams of regular vitamin C, sodium ascorbate, or a liposome encapsulated form. That gives you a super push of vitamin C inside your cells, and you would be amazed how quickly uh, all the different nonspecific symptoms of chronic fatigue and other diseases start disappearing. Did you ever work with Dr. Robert Cathcart? Uh, I knew him. I interacted with him a few times. Uh, He came and talked at one of my conferences about 20 years ago. Uh, I I will say I knew him well, but I knew him to, you know, give him a call and have a conversation. Sure.
2: I've got kind of a funny story about him. He was a physician in Incline Village, Nevada, north end of Lake Tahoe. This was back in the late 1970s, and he was treating people with vitamin C. Um, generally oral, he would uh, bring them up to bowel tolerance with massive doses of vitamin C. And he was treating a lot of problems this way. In fact, that was his first line of therapy for pretty much anybody that walked in his door. And he started seeing people with uh, a fatiguing condition and he was getting good results and concluded due to the um, action of vitamin C that the Krebs cycle was being Uh, repaired some way Mm -hmm. that the uh, spent electrons from oxidative stress were somehow being addressed by bringing people up to bowel tolerance with vitamin C. And he got quite a reputation for this. And people thought it was kind of bizarre, but it didn't get much attention until 1985 when he left Incline. He moved out in 1980, but his legacy stayed behind. A lot of people remembered him in these theories about oxidative stress and vitamin C. And in 1985, new doctors had moved into town just in time for a strange flu-like illness. A marathon runner who had been in China carried this strange flu back to this little village at the north end of Lake Tahoe.
1: History repeats itself, huh?
2: (laughs) People started dropping like flies with a, a malady, a mystery malady that they couldn't recover from. And two doctors, Cheney and Peterson, were very alarmed. They contacted the Washoe County Health Department, who ignored them. They didn't see anything worth responding to. The only signs of this were um, elevated Epstein-Barr virus titers, a strange inability to control EBV. Other viruses were cropping up too, but the only really reliable test was a brand new Epstein-Barr virus serology test that showed EBV was really getting out of control in these patients. This, combined with the strange flu-like illness, apparently from China, alarmed them enough that they tried to bypass the um, county health department, contact the Center for Disease Control directly. So the CDC, who are not supposed to respond to individual doctors requesting help, contacted the uh, Washoe County Department of Public Health and asked their director, uh, Dr. Michael Ford, Well, what the situation was with Incline Village. And he told the CDC not to respond because the doctors, they're all crazy. They try to cure people with vitamin C and to stay away from the crazy uh, doctors who treat people with fruit juice. Because as far as they were concerned, if you prescribe vitamin C, uh, that's all you're doing is trying to cure people with fruit juice. Apparently, they knew nothing about the Krebs cycle, oxidative stress, and how vitamin C can help restore. They spent electrons and get mitochondria back to a higher level of function. So I thought it was kind of funny that the CDC almost didn't respond
1: because of the crazy doctors in Incline Village treating people with vitamin C. Well, I, I think we, unfortunately, most of us realize now that the welfare of the patient is not the number one consideration. Mm-hmm in hospitals throughout our country. Sad to say, but (laughs) I think it's, uh, I mean, we now have with the pandemic many examples of, in one case, a state by executive order banning a physician from prescribing an accepted drug. We have the hospitals refusing to let doctors use it. We have pharmacies refusing to dispense them. And then, of course, you have the pharmaceutical companies in their control. But uh, really, it's almost become a situation, and it saddens me to say it, but my goodness, I've had my eyes open for the last two years, and gosh, if if you're at all keeping up with things, the worst you can do, worst thing you can do if you have COVID, is decide to go to the hospital because that then determines that you're going to not be able to get the things most important to your recovery. I'm sure there's exceptions to that, but I've seen so many cases already. And I've had so many people contact me. Can we start this? Can we start that? I said I can't do anything against your hospital. I can't make your doctor prescribe something that he or she doesn't want to. I said you better get a lawyer and you better get one fast, or get your get your patient get your relative out of the hospital uh, so that an integrative physician can can give your relative uh, not only high dose vitamin C. But different forms of hydrogen peroxide, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, zinc. These are all well established therapies, and it just continues to be a tragedy that they're so actively suppressed. Uh, And in some cases, we have the medical boards, unbelievable, taking away doctors' licenses for prescribing accepted medications.
2: Well, getting back to uh, and making a correlation with the uh, COVID. One of Dr. Cathcart's observations was that people were losing their fingerprints. People with severe oxidative stress, if you looked at the fingerprints, they didn't look all that abnormal, but the ridges would flatten out so severely that if people tried to make a fingerprint on a police blotter, they couldn't do it. It was just a black smudge. And the only illness that he knew of that consistently resulted in loss of fingerprints was scurvy. A notorious vitamin C deficiency. So I would really be interested to find out if people with long COVID were suffering from the same oh. loss of
1: fingerprints. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if this is the reason or not, but just as you talk about it and bring it up, the one of the things that vitamin C uh, has long been known to be most essential for is for the formation of a new connective tissue, fibrous tissue. I mean, what is a ridge on the outside of your finger, other than a special formation of fibr- fibrous tissue and probably collagen as well, like i said i 've never made that correlation myself at all, but uh, if that 's a definite reality that happens on a regular basis i 'm sure very comfortable it has to do with the with the degree of vitamin C deficiency such that you can't whatever's involved in making a fingerprint what's involved there. Another thing about dr. Cathcart that Uh, we should remember today, for those who still are aware of him, the the orthomolecular docs, is we have so many circumstances where somebody will use 5 grams or 10 grams or 15 grams or 50 grams, etc. Dr. Cathcourt, although he used mostly oral, occasionally intravenous, he described and he wrote a paper on the 100, 200, 300, 400 gram viruses. And that was a daily consumption. Like I said, this was an oral consumption, but it showed that like we're talking in COVID about the cytokine storm and the enormous, overwhelming oxidative stress that starts to take place and how once this has initiated, you, you don't have much chance of saving the patient. Well, you wouldn't with five grams of vitamin C, but if you gave them 100 grams intravenously, there's an excellent chance you'll reverse these patients even at an advanced stage. So Dr. Cathcart made a lot of contributions, uh, and I just hope we can get the rest of the medical population to be aware of them. I guess I owe a personal debt of gratitude to
2: Dr. Cathcart. Even though I didn't know him, my stepfather did. My stepfather is a biological dentist in 1985 in Lake Tahoe, knew of Dr. Cathcart's work. And when this mystery virus came through, the one from China, my stepfather got me on uh, Dr. Cathcart's regimen of vitamin C to bowel tolerance. And I was doing that every day. And it was spectacular. I would say that of all the things I tried, nothing helped more than that.
1: I'm sure it's a very, it's very straightforward, solid science. And uh, uh, I've heard the same story with other people many times before. And I don't mean at all. To say that if you don't have intravenous available to you, you can't do an enormous amount of good by regularly dosing. And of course, and of course, your bowel tolerance is going to change the sicker you are. So you just continue taking it as you tolerate it. And if you take 50 fine, if you take 80 fine, if you take 150 fine, doesn't matter. Okay. If you take that much vitamin C and you don't have diarrhea, guess what? It means your body is taking it in because your body needs it. I
2: believe that's absolutely correct. I think Dr. Cathcart, Linus Pauling, they're really onto something.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. No question. So
2: at, uh, strangely enough, my stepfather being a dentist, he was a biological dentist in 1985. And at the exact t- same time that doctors Cheney and Peterson were being attacked by the medical profession and the CDC over their <clears throat> mystery virus, which was probably a coronavirus from China, at this exact time, the local dentists were complaining about my stepfather advertising himself as a mercury-free dentist. He was removing all these amalgams and these diseased teeth and these root canals. And because he was not working within the established standard of care for the area, they said, if you keep advertising that you're removing amalgams and giving it a bad name by saying that mercury is is a terrible, toxic thing, we're
1: going to take away your dental license. Yeah, no. Nasty dentistry and nasty medicine and nasty boards, dental and medical, have been around for a long time, no doubt about it.
2: Well, this uh, amazing thing about the loss of fingerprints, now I'm really curious because back during the mystery illness when people under severe oxidative stress were losing their fingerprints, we actually proposed to the medical profession and to the Center for Disease Control that if something was happening in the population it would be showing up on police records or any other time you need to get a fingerprint taken because people will be unidentifiable. So we proposed at the time that you could actually go through the records where fingerprints are required, see if this type of oxidative stress is increasing in the population. And of course, they never did. They completely refused. But maybe we can try again with long COVID, get the word out and see if people with this chronic Post viral COVID illness are suffering from the same uh, scurvy like condition where they can't make a decent fingerprint.
1: Uh, Perhaps, yes.
2: It's cheap and easy. (laughs) Now just get a blotter and you can do it yourself.
3: We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Home Cleanse, formerly known as All American Restoration, is a company that specializes in improving indoor air quality through proper mold remediation, offering services nationwide. You can visit them at homecleanse.com to learn more. The Mold Guy performs mold sampling and testing for homeowners, renters, and businesses. Please visit themoldguyinc.com to learn more. Black Diamond Services provides solutions to the unforeseen challenges that can affect homes and families with no out-of-pocket costs. Services include temporary housing relocation and mold test referrals for homeowners. Visit blackdiamondservices.com to learn more. Great Plains Laboratory provides toxic exposure testing to those living in compromised environments. Tests include the Mycotox panel that tests for mycotoxins in urine samples and the EnviroTox panels tests for environmental chemicals in the urine and provides an overall metabolic snapshot of a patient's health. Visit gp-labs.com to learn more. Thank you again for your sponsorships. It is integral to our ability to serve our community and to improve the quality of life for all. Yeah, I wanted to um, just back up your, your information, Dr. Levy. And, um, you know, my family lost my mother in law, and I fought the hospital tooth and nail, providing them all the research, even COVID specific research on vitamin C just to say, Hey, like, please, you know, and spoke to the director of pharmacy spoke to everyone that I could speak to, to get this. (laughs) And they're just like, number one, we don't, we don't have IV vitamin C in stock, which I don't know if that was the truth or a lie. You can get it overnight.
1: You could get McGuff to send it to you (laughs) overnight. So that's go ahead. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how hospitals operate, so I guess you know more than I do. Um, but you know, and them saying that providing high dose orally would be detrimental to her health and could actually harm her. Um, and these are the things, I mean, this happened last year in, in September, and these are the things that these hospitals are saying to patients you know, when they're desperately trying to save their, their loved one. And yeah, I definitely agree with you that, um, you know, if you want to survive COVID, you might want to think about rethinking your option of going to the hospital. Sadly, um, that's the world that we live in, but, um, you know, something that you had said about modulating disease and you said that, um, you're finding, I guess, an overload of calcium and not enough magnesium, and you need to offset those two. What do you think is happening to the body that is skyrocketing the calcium and and lowering the magnesium?
1: Well, what's happening in most people is inadvertently their own fault, and of course, their physician's fault, because to this day, calcium is one of the most commonly supplemented uh, supplements on the planet. okay, And, and the brainwashing and the uh, error and the misinformation continues nonstop. Combine that with the fact that they they flip it around. They tell you calcium's good for you. You can't get enough of it. All the dairy. Well, and this is all covered in my book, Death by Calcium. Most people, the older ladies that have the osteoporosis, they're actually not doing anything good for their bones because calcium by itself does nothing nothing at all this is established to decrease your chance of osteoporotic fracture and that's the ultimate goal if you're an old person you don't want to have a fracture because then you can die of complications while at the same time well established statistically you take the calcium and you massively increase your chance of heart attack and cancer okay Calcium, along with iron, along with copper, are what I call the three toxic nutrients. They're good for you in a limited low dose and above that dosage range, they're uniformly toxic and the higher you push them, they become even more toxic. Calcium being taken as a supplement is a carcinogen, nothing short of taking something that directly causes cancer because of what it does inside the cells. You get more calcium inside the cell, the oxidative stress goes up. There is not, and and then when you become, or when a cell becomes malignant, malignant transformation, it's when the cell, it's when the calcium levels reach their highest level, short of the cell dying, okay? Because enough oxidative stress is what ultimately kills the cell, but below those levels, but still elevated is what a disease cell is. This is why or the reasoning behind, if you will, chemotherapy. And this is not an embracement of chemotherapy, just a description of how it works, is chemotherapy is highly toxic and pro-oxidant. And so it gets into the cell and it takes an elevated uh, oxidative stress level and pushes it even higher until everything shuts down and you get either necrosis of the cell or programmed cell death. But the direct answer to your point is High calciums, because of what they do to everything else, is just about the worst thing you can do to your body. As a pure agent, iron is probably your most toxic substance on the planet, above what you need, because it fuels the fenton reaction inside your cell that creates this oxidative stress that causes cell to either become diseased or ultimately die. So, and we have the evidence too that, for example, one of the four main supplements that decrease calcium inside your cells, which are magnesium, vitamin C, vitamin K2, and vitamin D2. All four of those, because of the impact that they have on bringing calcium levels down inside the cell, decrease all-cause mortality. They decrease your chance of death from anything. Now, nothing can decrease your chance of death from anything unless it affects similarly every cell in your body. That way it goes across the board affects whatever the disease process is. And that's also further validation that every single disease is characterized by various degrees of intracellular calcium elevation. Magnesium, as it turns out, is an enormously important supplement because it, because it is outside, of course, not taking supplements and really minimizing dairy in your, in your diet, Outside of that, magnesium is the single best way to push calcium out, displace it, and bring the magnesium level up. And when that happens, the vitamin C can come in and the glutathione can start to be synthesized, which it can't do when the oxidative stress is high inside the cell. Oxidative stress, remember, oxidizes biomolecules. So if the high oxidative stress keeps the enzymes because you synthesize your own glutathione unlike a lot of the other things if you keep those enzymes oxidized you can't make glutathione so until you get everything squared away with the calcium and the magnesium and the vitamin c then you can start getting healthy levels of glutathione inside your cell and keep a truly normal cell
3: what about the consumption of raw dairy is that the same as consuming pasteurized dairy that you would buy in
1: the store shelf in terms of calcium, yes. Now, the calcium issue aside, raw milk has much more nutritional benefit than pasteurized milk, absolutely. But still, calcium is calcium is calcium, and you really don't want to be chronically ingesting something that has a high concentration of calcium for whatever reason. Unless, of course, you know uh, you're starving. Well, then you need to then then you need to eat what's available, but but not electively, no
3: we see epidemic levels of anemia and in the medical profession they believe that you know iron infusions or iron tablets are the resolve of that now you're saying different you're saying iron is actually toxic what do you think is happening with these rising levels of anemia if it's not an iron deficiency issue
1: well iron deficiency anemia is a very clear cut diagnosis you have red blood cells that are called microcytic they're very small they're also hypochromic they have a very Low concentration is called a hypochromic microcytic anemia. Most of the anemias you're talking about are called anemias of chronic disease. The red cells look normal, but there's a whole host of reasons why you're not making enough blood, and it has nothing to do with inadequate ion stores. So it still baffles me how supposed specialists and subspecialists in the blood and everything else does not make this connection, is incapable of making this connection, doesn't want to make this connection. But the worst thing you can do for a chronic anemia of chronic disease, where you can document that the iron levels in your body are already elevated is to take more iron. Because even when, and this is in the book too, let's say you have a pregnant lady uh, or a heavily menstruating lady, they're losing iron, and they have an iron deficiency anemia, Even when you take iron under those circumstances, which you should, you need to get your blood level up, but even under those circumstances, you get additional toxic side effects of the iron as you're taking it in. So you really need to want to avoid iron like the plague, Okay, except when it's absolutely deficient. And that means technically you have a test in your body called ferritin. The actual blood levels of iron, like serum iron and the different iron binding capacities, those are not very useful for telling you what the status of iron content is in your body. The ferritin level, on the other hand, is a direct indication of do you have minimal, moderate, high levels of iron in your body. They have a quote-unquote normal range of iron running roughly between 50 micrograms and 400 micrograms. Well, ironically enough, all of those levels are too elevated. And we have studies that show that even 50 micrograms of the ferritin is associated with increased problems with vasculature, tension. And it's only really when your ferritin starts to get 25 or less that you're going to get close to having the right amount of iron exposure. The, wo- the ruling work of thumb is, in my opinion, your ferritin can't be too low if you have a normal hemoglobin level and the blood picture is normal, because if you have enough iron, because we've got a ton of blood in our body relative to the tiny amounts that they say, well, iron is needed as a coenzyme here and this, that, and the other. Those are infinitesimal amounts of iron in the overall picture compared to the amount of iron it takes to keep your blood synthesized. Ergo, when you have a normal blood count, You have more than enough iron for all the other circumstances and problems going on inside your body that require tiny amounts of iron, and you should never, never, never supplement iron if you have a normal hemoglobin count.
3: Thank you for that explanation. That clears the air on a lot of things. Um, One thing we see a lot with uh, chronically ill patients or mold injured patients are uh, fluctuating electrolytes. So it seems to be an issue whether their potassium is tanking, their magnesium is tanking. What do you think is happening in the body that is causing these these fluctuating levels?
1: Well, this might be oversimplification or it might be spot on. I can't tell you that for sure, but I will tell you that it's my take on these issues that nearly all mold problems, no matter where they're located in your body, even if you manage to get it systemically uh, in the blood, in the tissues, it all starts with an abnormal microbiome, which secondarily promotes and sustains a leaky gut. So you have an ongoing plethora of pathogens in the form of bacteria, clostridia, viruses, fungi, protozoa, they're all there in the abnormal gut. And they're truly, truly one of the most toxic things and worst things you could have for your health because They primarily, this abnormal microbiome, primarily causes many diseases and makes all diseases worse. Okay, that's number one. Now, what I inadvertently discovered, if you will, in my book, Rapid Virus Recovery, which I primarily wrote to get get everybody out of the pandemic, because hydrogen peroxide nebulization is a very powerful intervention for knocking out COVID early, and we even showed through some data in Colombia, South America, that for some patients, even advanced patients, it could work as a monotherapy. Well, what I also found out, and had I not written that book during the pandemic, I might have titled the book Rapid Gut Recovery, rather than Rapid Virus Recovery, because as it turns out, nearly everybody has a chronic pathogen colonization, not an infection, not abscesses, but a chronic pathogen colonization in their nose and airways and lungs. And these are pathogens that continue to die and continue to produce toxins. And what do you do with those? You swallow them. Okay. Go back to what I mentioned earlier with Eric. Everything is oxidative stress. All toxins are pro-oxidants. All infections or growth of pathogens are your highest producers of these toxins. So as the young people say, we're, we're swallowing this stuff 24-7. So I put all that together to tell you also that a leaky gut, unlike just about every other area of the body, a leaky gut is where the spaces between the cells become compromised, oxidized, if you will, compromised, and they start letting larger portions of undigested food into the, into the lymph and blood and cause autoimmune responses and all sorts of toxic responses, food allergies, et cetera. Well, those cells replicate every three to five days. So effectively, if you stop poisoning the gut and you don't have super advanced disease, now I'm not talking about advanced uh uh advanced celiac sprue or something like that, but just a regular upset gut, you'll heal your gut in a week if you stop swallowing the toxins. And I've since had an enormous amount of feedback, and this started because I noticed three years ago when I first nebulized hydrogen peroxide for the first time in my life, experimenting on myself. 12 hours later, and I was in my late 60s at the time, 12 hours later, I had the most perfect bowel movement I've ever had in my life. And I just, what's going on here? Is that what a bowel movement is supposed to be like? And I said, something happened between point A and point B. What did I do to my nasopharynx that impacted my gut? and profoundly normalize my bowel movement. And since then, I've got a lot of feedback from doctors around the world. A lot of people, I can't give you a percentage, they start nebulizing, chronic gut symptoms go away, longstanding diarrhea, uh, intolerance. And I've had uh, at least one person who measured the uh, fungal antigens in their urine. I think it's antigens, fungal. However they measure in the urine, a fungus presence, okay? That went away completely after about a month of the nebulization. So the long answer to your question is I really think, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it's oversimplify a big problem, but I do think it does need some simplification. And that is fungi do not proliferate and survive except in a pre-existing abnormal pathogen existence, which is in the case of the gut that continues to get this poisoning so swallowing these toxins 24-7. And I'm not going to say it's going to help everybody, but I swear I've gotten enormous feedback that it helps a lot. Interesting thing enough too, a couple times now, I mentioned that an abnormal microbiome makes all things worse. And I got this, it was kind of a funny email. This lady wrote me back and said, Dr. Levy, I started nebulizing and I'm feeling great. And, and about a week later... This pain I've had in a long time in my leg just disappeared. Do you think it was the peroxide? said, I don't know. And then I got another one from, I don't remember what this was. This was a discomfort somewhere else in the body. said the same thing. I started nebulizing peroxide and this pain went away. What do you think happened? And I didn't go into detail with them, but like I'm saying, when you stop chronically absorbing and assimilating toxins from your gut, through the leaky gut, throughout your body, everything gets better. And funguses can disappear. I, I'm not prepared to tell you how what percent of the time, a lot, a little, most of the time, but uh, a significant percentage of the time, I would say. And for anybody that has a chronic fungus problem, I would recommend at least, uh, and this is all in the book, uh, at least nebulizing a, a pretty low concentration of peroxide for, you know, three or four minutes, a few times a week and see what happens.
3: So just to recap, you're saying, first and foremost, you need to stop breathing in the
1: toxins. Swallowing, swallowing, swallowing the toxins that are replicating.
3: Oh, okay. So swallowing the toxins. So, you, so are you... See, mini- I, mean,
1: I use the term chronic pathogen colonization. Let me, let me go into this. When you have a cold, when you have the flu, even if it was five years ago, 10 years ago, and you feel fine, and you don't have a sore throat, I guarantee you, you have a chronic pathogen colonization that's a residua of that cold or flu, unless you did a specific intervention that allows you to dissolve biofilm because all these chronic pathogens are covered with a biofilm that will not allow antibiotics through. So unless you do a peroxide, sometimes a DMSO or other agents, the biofilm does not allow the pathogens to be eradicated and you just continue to swallow this, and people just accept, well, this is my gut. This is the way it's going to be. But when you have an intervention then that comes in and strips away the biofilm and then kills the pathogens, and you stop swallowing those toxins that are produced on site and swallowing them, things get better. But with regard to inhaling, yeah, that might be where it initially came from. You inhaled, you had a high enough concentration, you got a focal or a systemic infection. But my point is, once that infection goes away, if you got a good immune system, the immune system in and of itself does not wipe out the pathogens completely from being colonized without a specific intervention that dissolves the biofilm because when you have a free pathogen circulating in the lymph or the blood, the antibiotic can help while it's free circulating, but the moment it attaches to a tissue site within 24 hours, it's protected by a biofilm. So if you don't knock out the pathogens in the acute process while they're circulating, you will end up with a chronic pathogen colonization in your nose and nasopharynx and throat.
3: I guess what I'm trying to understand is when you mean by swallowing, are you referring to eating toxic food or um, no, no, no. Wait, amalgams wait. in the mouth? No. Or?
1: Well, that too. I mean, yeah. any toxins you have in your mouth, you're going to swallow. That's the whole point. But the point is, is It's not an overt infection that makes you sick, but when you've been sick before, you have a surface area where the pathogens just live. They they don't propagate to the point of causing an acute abscess or something like that, but their metabolism, number one, continues to produce toxic byproducts. Where do they go? you swallow them. When the pathogens do die, here's another important point. What makes pathogens proliferate is iron. The more iron is present, the more pathogens grow. So what else happens when the pathogen finally dies is you also get a large release of free iron into the gut as well. So all of these are very powerful, pro-oxidant entities that will make anything sick and in this case is targeting the gut.
3: Got it. (laughs) Kiwi Severson is passionate and committed to exposing the truth about toxic mold and its effects on the human body. Many mold-injured people are often misdiagnosed with autoimmune conditions, nerve damage, mental illnesses, and other chronic health conditions due to the lack of knowledge about water damage and toxic mold growing in their homes. The crippling effects of toxic mold on the body has destroyed many lives. Been there, done that. When she became a healthcare provider specializing in acupuncture and herbal medicine, it was only then that she truly began to understand the connection between her health, And the environment that she was living in. Three years after becoming a licensed care provider, she became incredibly ill. She was suffering from kidney failure, reoccurring UTIs, and various negative mental health symptoms. When she learned that her family had been dwelling with mold trapped under her kitchen floor, the relationship between the toxic mold factor and her health finally began to make sense. It became part of her life's mission to help educate society on the extreme effects that mold can have on the body. Her work is vital because there exists a lack of experience and acknowledgement from mainstream medical practitioners and even mold experts. She has firsthand experience dealing with mold exposure and she makes sure to address all the signs and symptoms during every environmental screening that she performs. She's developed a line of organic herbal tinctures and formulas to help most patients reduce symptoms commonly associated with toxic mold exposures. These symptoms vary and can manifest themselves very differently from person to person. Her herbal education and experience has helped her increase awareness and recognize signs in patients that may result from their toxic environments. Keely's dedication to learning and understanding the effects of toxic mold and educating and bringing awareness to her patients and other providers keep her motivated. She knows just how devastating the untreated consequences can be on your health and the health of your families relationships, and life outcomes. If you or someone you know may be affected by toxic mold exposure, rest assured that you and Keely will work together to find a solution. By working together to treat the symptoms and stay educated on toxic mold exposures, we can reduce the impact of this devastating phenomenon. To consult with Keely, please visit consultations. That's exposingmold.com slash C-O-N-S-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. Book your appointment today. So in terms of nutrition, eating foods high in iron while you are sick with the, maybe chronically sick with the pathogen or whatever, is that not advised or is natural iron and say heme producing foods like red meats or whatever? Is that a safe option or is that not an option and would actually add to the problem?
1: Well, I wouldn't make the problem better, but I don't think that would be a primary way of the iron in your food as particularly stoking, if you will, the activity of an area of chronic pathogen colonization. So no, I wouldn't go that far.
3: So it's more like the synthetic irons and maybe well irons from your cookware or anything like
1: that. Well, the pathogens are not just being exposed to something on the outside. They're exposed to everything that's coming in from the inside. So if you have a high level of iron in your body, this avidly promotes pathogen growth anywhere. Literally. Pathogens, and interestingly, too, cancer cells. They both thrive and proliferate the more free iron is present. And this is one of the main things that causes an in-situ cancer to start metastasizing is when it starts getting more iron as well.
3: Interesting. Thank you, Dr. Reeby. There's no more questions for me if uh, Eric or Keeley have some follow up questions. A lot of this
1: digestive stuff, if you haven't read the book yet, is, is in Rapid Virus Recovery. I just and wondering if you it's, could. It's free as a download. I'm not trying to sell you anything. So I, it's, uh, if you don't already have it, send me an email. I'll give you the link to download it. Because incidentally, you address the after, difference co- between, uh... after covering it, carrying it for a year, Amazon cut me off a week ago. So you can't buy the hard copy on Amazon anymore. You can get it on Barnes and Noble and and eBay and my website and my publisher's website and probably some other places. But uh, uh, I guess my profile got a little too high. I don't know. So
2: if somebody wanted to take uh, this vitamin C treatment, can you address the difference between uh, sodium
1: ascorbate and ascorbic acid? Well, the active form of vitamin C is the ascorbate. That's the anion. Okay. And then ascorbic acid, you have... Hydrogen, which is the cation, or sodium ascorbate, sodium, which is the cation. And there's a lot of controversy over this, but I think it's pretty straightforward. I've used sodium ascorbate as a a regular form uh, all the time when I'm using regular vitamin C. I don't think there's any additional benefit or difference therapeutically between sodium ascorbate and hydrogen ascorbate, which is ascorbic acid. Uh, Now... I think you might already be aware of this. I think Dr. Cathcart and a few other people said they thought the ascorbic acid worked better. I've never seen any study to that effect, and I've certainly never seen that in my own experience. And also a lot of people have delicate stomachs. The sodium ascorbate doesn't bother the stomach at all, uh, whereas in some people, myself included, the ascorbic acid uh, aggravates me quite substantially. Now you can link to that ascorbate magnesium potassium calcium calcium ascorbate there's another one for you that's advertised and promoted as buffered vitamin c well you don't want to take that because if you're going to take the amounts of vitamin c that i consider to be best for you you're going to take in a large amount of calcium and as we mentioned earlier doesn't really matter where the calcium's coming from you need to minimize your new intake of calcium on a daily basis uh, Additional point about supplements in general is too often, in my opinion, let's say you want to supplement something. Let's say it's magnesium. Magnesium is the cation. Nobody pays attention to what the anion is, but magnesium has probably 15 different ways you can supplement it because it's glycinate, it's citrate, it's aspartate, it's uh, glycinate, it's chloride, all of these different forms of magnesium So when you're making your selection on any type of supplement, try to take a moment and see, especially if you're looking at the cation, what your associated anion is, because it has its own unique impact, and it can make the supplement better, have no effect, or lessen the impact of what you're trying to take the cation for.
2: Um, Doctors would try to warn people away from doing the vitamin
1: C therapy, saying it would lead to kidney stones. Seen any evidence of that? Zero. Matter of fact, an interesting story there. Dr. Ron Honeyhack of the Reardon Clinic, he's been there about 35 years. Over that period of time, they've given over 100,000 intravenous infusions of vitamin C, 25, 50, 7,500 gram infusions. During that period of time, they've had zero kidney stones. Okay. And you have these doctors supposedly quivering their boots about giving 500 milligrams or one gram or two grams. The story there is the most, the kidney stones that you see are um, calcium oxalate. Ring a bell, calcium. Kidney stones are due to too much calcium. Vitamin C, along with many other things that you can eat or drink or supplement, will give you some oxalate that has the potential of making a stone if there's a lot of calcium around. But if you address the calcium excess issue and the things that we talked about, magnesium, vitamin C, vitamin K2, vitamin D, all four of those things, guess what? They help dissolve kidney stones and they help prevent them from coming together in the first place because of their impact on on calcium. So in answer to your question, there's zero concern about that. And there's also a host of studies that show even by blood levels, I mean it's very soft finding when you're looking at somebody's diet or supplementation, but looking at blood levels, the higher the blood level of vitamin C, the lower the incidence of kidney stones
2: fantastic. thank you very much
1: sure guess like this has been a great talk. Uh, I don't have
2: any further questions
1: okay all right well, it's been a pleasure, folks, and uh, I hope you have a lot of people listen to this it's It's important information and Alicia, if you, don't have, uh, if you don't have that book, uh, send me an email and I'll, I'll give you the download site.
3: Sure. Yeah. And thank you so much for for joining us today. It really was great. And you broke down everything so eloquently. And uh, thank you so much for that. And um, if anyone wanted to contact you um, or check out your books, what's, what's an appropriate site? I know you're kind of on a lot well, of my, platforms. My
1: website, my website is peakenergy.com. Uh, it's You can tell it's an old website. Not many people have that straightforward a name and that few a number of letters, but I just started that up over 20 years ago. Peakenergy.com, and, and I, I don't hide my email. My email is v m d at yahoo.com, the, the one that you wrote to, okay? So uh, and that's available to anybody. That doesn't mean I'm going to do a consult or I'm going to be able to answer everybody's question or I'm even going to try, but... I I take a shot at helping anybody who emails me. The only thing I don't hand out is my phone number.
3: Perfect. Well, I'll go ahead and link all that in the show notes below, along with your 13 other publications that okay. have invaluable information. Thank you again for, for spending your life um, just putting out the truth with information. I think... We're living in such a weird, weird time with our medical establishment, where they do everything backwards. It seems.
1: You no, know, you're um, being much too kind. You're being much too kind in, in, in just referring to it in such marginally marginally insulting tones. They're assassins. Yeah, you know they're assassins. Yeah. <laughs> Make no doubt about it. They're assassins.
3: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's that's pretty intense for you to say that. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, there's no other way around it. I, I, exactly. I remember. I remember going through the tragedy of losing my mother-in-law to their antics, and it 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 kills me every day to think that like like what are you doing? <laughs> the
1: doctor, the doctor that refuses to give vitamin C on the ICU deserves to go to jail for negligent manslaughter. That would be the least of it. Now, let me give you one other practical point, and and I mentioned this in the email, and I'll make sure you get the uh, you get the article is for many years now, because I get these emails from around the world, same scenario, mother, father, brother, sister in ICU, doctor, same, same, same. And they get shut down. Well, before we just give them a ton of these articles, well, that defeats the purpose before you start, because nobody who's even marginally interested is going to look at 10, 15, 20, 30 articles. So it doesn't matter that we have 80,000 articles of the literature supporting this. So I've simplified the process. I've just started, so I can't tell you how successful it will be. But the Reardon Clinic published a very nice article on their approach to cancer therapy. And they have a couple pages in there that show 25, 50, 75, and 100 gram infusions of vitamin C. So when you get all this garbage about how dangerous all this is, say, well, number one, this is how the Reardon Clinic has done it for 40 years. Number two, they've given over 100,000 infusions. Number three, if you would like some feedback from the clinic director who's personally administered these IVs just to verify their safety and the lack of complications, we can put you in touch. Now, if the doctor's willing to ignore all that, then just call your lawyer.
3: Well, thank you for your honesty. And I, I do appreciate that. And, um, yeah, it seems like the best thing would be just to get a mobile IV uh, nurse to come to your house to administer if I mean, you're if you're sick with
1: COVID. I mean, it, it, unless they've already stuck the tube down the throat, get them the hell out of the hospital. Huh? That's your that's your first major intervention toward getting toward the possibility of getting your loved one well.
3: Yeah, thank you so much, Doctor Levy. I knew I wish I knew all that I know now when it was needed. Um, But, you know, that's life. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and do the closing. And um, if there I mean, before I do, if there's anything else you want to say before we head out, please do so now.
1: Well, I would only say to people that are listening to this and uh, have the the books, the rapid virus recovery is you need, especially with the pandemic, you need to have your ducks in a row ahead of time, just because let's say you've done well, and your family does well, doesn't mean and I'm not trying to be pessimistic, you're not going to get freaking COVID tomorrow. Okay. So get your nebulizer, get whatever medications you can together, get yourself, take the time, look around a good integrative medicine physician on board. So you have all of that there when it starts. I mean, believe me, the last thing you want to do is even think about any of this thing stuff. Once you're sick, when I got COVID, I got sick as a dog and I didn't want to do anything. I was able to start my own V. I didn't want to do it. I didn't I didn't want to do anything. So get yourself prepared, not being pessimistic. It's being realistic. Get yourself prepared and do not have a doctor who won't answer your questions. If you have a doctor that's unwilling to take the time to entertain, whatever your question is, don't walk out of that office Run out of it.
3: Thank you. Yeah, we um, we interviewed Dr. Said Hader, who is actually amazing, and he's, go- he's go- actually going to be our sponsor, um, where he has found all of the pharmacies that are cost-effective, that are willing to administer ivermectin, um, and that is not going through all the chain pharmacies because they are not providing that uh, medication anymore. Uh, but he has done the due diligence and the hard work to secure uh, ivermectin for COVID patients, and um, again, he's actually going to be our sponsor. So, if that's something that um, I know that you had uh written in your literature, sure. ivermectin as a viable option as well. Um, we do have <laughs> India that. knocked
1: out, knocked out COVID completely just by giving the entire population packs of ivermectin with a couple other things.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, like you said, assassin in <laughs> Japan, Japan,
1: Japan the there. There. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's just uh, yeah, well. Uh, it's funny how the, the virus is you. so
0: smart it knows which countries ivermectin doesn't even work in.
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's it's a very <laughs> it's a very intelligent <laughs> virus. <laughs>
3: Thanks again, Dr. Levy. We won't take any more of your time. Please like, share, comment on our content. Check out our show notes with Dr. Levy's information and his books. We'll have it all listed there. Um, Please check us out on Buy Me a Coffee. If you like what we're doing here, please support us through that platform and check out our low-cost educational group as well, patreon.com slash exposing mold. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next time.